Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, where each week, Dr. Frank Domino, along with his guests, translates today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. Now, broadcasting from the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester, Mass., your host, Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Dan is a 52-year-old roofer. He owns his own business, and because we're here in New England, he's busy seven days a week, March through November, because that's when the weather permits him to work outside. He presents in mid-July with a nagging right shoulder pain. Initially, it just bothered him after a long day of work, and it got better with a few ibuprofen. Now it's keeping him up at night. It bothers him round the clock. He states, Doc, don't tell me I need surgery. I just don't have the time to do it now. Hi, this is Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. And joining me is Susan Feeney, assistant professor and coordinator of the Family Nurse Practitioner Program at the University of Massachusetts Medical School's Graduate School of Nursing. Hi, Susan. Hi, Frank. So, um, this patient, Mr. Dan, is uh, very common. I mean, this is a real problem uh, that we see in our patients. So can you remind us about the causes and the differential diagnosis for atraumatic shoulder pain? Sure. So um, as you said, this is very common. We're seeing lots of patients in our practice who say, gee, I didn't fall, I didn't do anything new, and all of a sudden my shoulders bother me a little bit, and sooner or later it's keeping me up at night. In this case, it's his right shoulder, it's his dominant hand, and so we have to think about um, what we used to call rotator cuff tendonitis or what's currently called impingement syndrome, which is inflammation or even eventually tearing of one of the four tendons that go into uh, maintaining the shoulder integrity. Another common cause is osteoarthritis of the shoulder, in particular affecting the acromioclavicular joint. A third possibility is in infectious disease. We're in New England. Lyme disease Mm -hmm. could possibly cause atraumatic shoulder pain. Um, One type of shoulder pain that can happen is derangement of the shoulder due to labral dysfunction. And that typically is associated with trauma, but the trauma may have happened 30, 40 years ago, and now the shoulder's popping in and out of the joint a little bit, causing him some, some discomfort. So those are the common causes. If it was on the left side, I might add angina as an anginal variant that you had to consider. Um, But those are the common causes in the the differential that you need to begin to think about when someone presents with these symptoms. And it could be that Dan has a couple of these processes going on. Sure. Because of his age and the the work he does. So how effective is um, imaging? And and should we get an MRI for this gentleman? I mean, how would you proceed here? Okay, so so with regards to imaging, there's a variety of bits of data of which we don't really know. So getting plain x-rays often identifies osteoarthritis, but as you said, he's a, he's a hard-working person in his mid-50s. Chances are you're going to see osteoarthritic changes on an x-ray right. that may have nothing to do with his symptoms. So there was a very interesting study published in the radiology literature. They, they took a group of healthy adults with no symptoms and they imaged them and they found that over 90% had an abnormality on that imaging that had that if it had been done in someone with complaints might have led to intervention and surgery. So about 78 develop, uh, were found to have um, uh, subacromial bursal thickening, which can imply bursitis, right. yet they had no symptoms. 
Um, arthritis was found in 65% of the people in the study. So they found wow. clinical uh, radiologic findings of arthritis. They found tendinopathies as common as in 40% of the people. And they had partial tears of the tendons in about one in five. And they found dysfunction of the glenoid processes um, in about 15% of the patients. So aggressive imaging can only lead you down a path of, not only, but is likely to lead you down a path of a false positive in someone with atraumatic shoulder pain. So I guess my answer, quick answer to your question is, no, I wouldn't image this person right off the bat unless I had a specific thing I was looking for. So that's really, it's fascinating and frustrating because, you know, you're right, if we, we think we, he, he's got something, we send him, aha, we found it, and you, you said it may have nothing to do with the symptoms he has. So how do we manage shoulder pain? What are our options? Well, if we think the person has an impingement syndrome or an, a little bit of an arthritis, um, the two mainstays are um, getting some pain relief and then retraining the muscles of the shoulder to work properly. So um, if you feel comfortable, a subacromial corticosteroid injection is very effective. You intervene, they're good for five to six weeks, and you get excellent control of both the inflammation and the symptoms. Um, if you don't feel comfortable using a, a corticosteroid injection, just as efficacious is using oral anti-inflammatories taken on a daily basis for probably five to six weeks. Either of those must be coupled with muscle retraining, and that normally involves physical therapy. It used to be, not that long ago, that most physical therapy was covered by uh, managed care organizations, and that's changed in the last few years where people are using far more high copay or high deductible plans. Nonetheless, I refer everybody that I make a diagnosis uh, of a subacromial bursitis or a tendonitis, I refer them to physical therapy, and I always put on my request to have the patient get, be given a home exercise program so that instead of being able to afford six to eight visits to the physical therapist, they're maybe getting three, they're paying half the co-pays and hopefully still getting the benefit. Yeah, because that is, that is a big point is it's expensive now and people like Dan have to take time off of work because oftentimes it's not in the evening or, or weekends that these offices are open. So that's a really great point that come up with a sort of a, an alternative workaround. So what about surgery for, for the shoulder? Well, um, there was a really, interesting study published just recently in The Lancet that compared um, shoulder surgery to non-surgery. Um, there are actually three arms. In one arm, they got standard arthroscopic surgery where they open up the shoulder joint, they cleaned out the arthritis, they fixed damaged tendons, they took the scope out. The second arm, they did almost the same thing. They went to the OR, they put a scope in, they took the scope out, and they closed up, and then they compared those two interventions to just physical therapy. And they followed them forward for six months. Wow. And sure enough, all three arms had an equivalent outcome. Wow. So they, they looked in particular at whether the shoulder surgery versus the sham, sham surgery had different outcomes, and there were none. And they looked at the two interventions compared to just doing physical therapy, and those two even combined still found no benefit no clinical benefit to the surgery compared to aggressive physical therapy. Wow, that, that's really stunning. And you think about shoulder surgery, people are out of work, they're immobile. I mean, you know, Dan mentions this, that I can't be away. He would be out of work for a substantial amount of time and immobile. And, um, and you think if I refer patients to orthopods, you know, what's the per 
uh, percentage that would have surgery, especially if they would get an MRI and find something sure. that might be wrong that actually may not be causing the, 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 the pain. problem. Yeah. Right. So I think the takeaway here is that we have to get very aggressive with managing shoulder pain. Uh, especially atraumatic shoulder pain. If someone falls on an outstretched arm and their shoulder's dislocating, that's a different right. circumstance. But if someone's got uh, atraumatic shoulder pain, we need to think about the differential. We need to get very aggressive with anti-inflammatory use, whether by injection or by pill. And then we need to integrate our, our physical therapists with us. And we also need to make it very clear to the patients that we're not just trying to fix the pain, we're trying to fix the shoulder, and that the physical therapy is probably the most important of the interventions that they need to do. And I agree, and that's sometimes being able to share with them is even though there's time and money involved with physical therapy, it's, it's less than surgery, and it's also going to teach them ways to prevent this in the future. And it hopefully will prevent them ultimately needing surgery. Correct. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Susan. Well, thank you, Frank. This was very interesting. Practice pointer. In the management of atraumatic shoulder pain, use of NSAIDs and, most importantly, aggressive physical therapy is the key to having your patient do well and not need referral to surgery. Battling burnout practice pointer. Be open to change. You can refill antihypertensives and birth control pills for a year without worry about patients coming back for follow-up. This will save you two to three minutes per prescription and may add 30 minutes to your day. Join us next time when we discuss the use of behavioral interventions to treat chronic non-cancer pain. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine brought to you by PrimeMed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, please browse the more than 300 free CME accredited activities now available on primed.com. Thank you again for listening.